Welcome back to another episode of the Rankable Podcast. I'm your host, Garrett Sussman of iPoll Rank, and I am stoked because we're talking about technical SEO today, and we're talking about kind of an underrated subject that, that gets technical in our field, which is JavaScript rendering, problems that you could run into, a very cool solution. Uh, and I have a special guest. So our main guest today is Dan Reno. Dan is a solution consultant at Botify. So he is in the weeds when it comes to one of these really cool, interesting tool speed workers, which we'll dive into. Self-taught technical SEO for 15 over 15 years with a penchant for building teams. He's actually worked in a ton of agencies. So he's seen a ton of major websites. And when we're talking Botify, we're talking enterprise. So, you know, not just your mom and pop websites, we're talking like big time, millions of pages websites. Thank you so much for joining me today, Dan. Thanks for having me, Garrett. And Zach. Awesome. And Zach, I I can't leave out our other special guest, in-house director of SEO at iPoll Rank. If you want to geek out about structured data, e-commerce, technical SEO, if you want to see our ridiculous SEO battle zone series that we've been doing where, where Zach and Mike kind of kind of run their mouths on all these uh, controversial topics in SEO, we're joined today by the, the flying dinosaur, Zach Chahalas. Thank you for joining me, Zach. Uh, thank you for having me. <laughs> We we we've given Zach the uh the the I've given Zach the nickname of the flying dinosaur, which has no sort of it it came from nowhere. I just my my brain farted. Hey, but, hey deep down inside I've been told I'm like 65. So I mean, yeah, <laughs> I guess I guess you're just calling me old. It's frankly, right. it's it's poetic. And and speaking of my poetic segue, Dan, fun fact about you. So you are you were a published poet at 14 and you submitted showing all of our ages a piece about Y2K and how it was just kind of overhyped BS. What was up with that? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it was te- definitely one of these. Uh, see, I was in private school. There was some kind of a contest going on on all the schools in our network. So they're like, submit something. You know, I uh, being in a rather tech centric household, you know, and all everyone was talking about Y2K, all the Armageddon movies were were coming out and stuff like that. I was like, this is just ridiculous. And it was. Uh, yeah, just a little piece about how it's overhyped. And uh, apparently it was well-timed and relevant to, to be published. So, Dude, I mean, you get freaking Nostradamus written all over you. I remember the time. I remember like being, I, I was in high school at the time. And I remember like they would they were scaring us of like all the lights of the power grid was going to go off or something ridiculous. Everything was going to reset. Zach, do you remember Y2K? Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh... Maybe a tick younger, but I remember that being the whole thing of like, oh yeah, the computers and the robots are going to take over the world. And I, I, I heard more extreme versions around like you know full on like Terminator style, but yeah, worked out okay, I think. I think so too. No, no nuclear codes were were <laughs> launched or anything like that. But but we we are in tech. We are tech centric in this podcast, and so we're going to talk about the concept, which I think is very misunderstood in a lot of tech SEO circles, which is JavaScript rendering. Um, Specifically, let's dive in right off the bat, Dan. Google has, has, you know, tried to improve JavaScript rendering, client-side rendering over the past few years. They've made strides, but from your perspective, 
has it actually, has Google's comprehension of JavaScript actually improved? So, I mean, the simple answer is is yes, right? Especially over, let's say, you know, uh, let's let's say even the last five years, okay? Uh, definitely. However, uh, the the general process hasn't really changed in that, you know, it still has to go through what we refer to as double wave indexation, right? Where, and this is kind of similar to how um crawling of old worked right where crawler crawls finds new pages discovers stuff right and then there's indexation processes that happen well it's kind of an extension of the same thing but specific to javascript where okay they crawl in html first will at this point pretty much try to execute whatever javascript is is on there in in a second pass and then ultimately after it's it's done that rendering consider it for for indexation um and there's even some things in gsc that kind of like tell you like at what step of the process pages have actually gone through uh as well so like yes they've gotten better um, but there is still uh for most pages it's it's just less efficient for them to do so Gotcha. To that point, Zach, are you kind of on the same page with that that sort of progress? Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely see it getting more rendered than I saw sites getting years ago, you know, when Google maybe went from like a pre-K reading level to like a kindergarten reading level of it. But, um, you know, I still see them struggling with specifically like JavaScript frameworks that are not being, you know, pre-rendered. They're still struggling in a lot of those instances. But it certainly has gotten better over the last couple of years. And, yeah. and that kind of that that leads into some of the issues that especially specifically large websites are still running into when it comes to JavaScript rendering. Dan, like what what do you see? I mean, you you do a lot of implementation with speed workers before you even get to that point when people are coming to you with problems. What are some of these major issues that that people are encountering? Yeah. So I mean, when you think about um, which depending on almost no matter your opinion on like crawl budget, right. As like a, as a topic, I mean, when you consider the double wave indexation process, right. If Google has to essentially crawl twice, let's say in order to consider a page for indexation, when you have really large websites that that problem is exacerbated. Right. And, and, there's also uh, kind of competing, let's say, uh, solutions where um, like server side rendering, you know, is often considered to be like kind of enough. But even then, when you consider more technical concepts like like hydration and stuff like that, that still comes into play, um, that again affects large sites even more because it takes Google that much more resource to get through the site right and so what we kind of see happening is that you know it can take google 10 days a couple weeks maybe even an entire month to get through not even half of a website right um depending on just what they have going on and maybe not even sheer volume like it could even be like hundreds of thousands of pages as opposed to millions of pages and google still might not be able to get through it all if it's really dependent and heavy on js Zach, are you are you noticing the same sort of like time delays and and volume like issues? Yeah, I am. I mean, you know, so many larger sites when you factor in the JavaScript rendering aspect of it, 
and the impact on crawl budget alone, but then you factor in all of the other issues that sites typically have that are impacting crawl budget and the usage of it. it you know, I feel like you're almost extending that timeline too. Like in an ideal world, if you're a large site and you didn't have other problems, yeah, I mean, you know, a couple of weeks is pretty reasonable to see Google kind of work through all that content. But when you start factoring in actual issues, you know, directing Google to crawl dead pages or redirected pages or just things that aren't working, like then you're making that even worse. And I'm seeing that in a lot of instances now where, you know, Google's struggling to get through all that content almost on a regular basis because they can't, the, the budget's just not enough. And even if you ask for that increase, you're not always guaranteed to get it. Yeah, I mean, indexing is such a hot topic in general in terms of like even the question of whether Google is reducing indexing in general. So it's like when you add JavaScript to, you know, the mix, you're you're giving yourself another opportunity to kind of shoot yourself in the foot, which kind of leads to the other side of things. Uh, Going to get into a little, I don't think it's controversial, but the whole idea of render budget, which I know, Dan, you is very top of mind for you right now. To what extent is, is render budget a thing? What's your philosophy on Google's render budget? Like, can you explain it and talk about like how you, you think about it? Yeah. So, I mean, I think Zach just kind of <laughs> headed that question off very well, right? Where it's like a modifier of, of crawl budget, right? Um, I mean, it's a similar kind of concept now. Um do I think that like we're going to get a metric in GSC around uh you know rendering budget? Definitely not. I mean, I've been in this for 15 plus years and we still don't have one for crawl budget. So like <laughs> that's probably never going to happen. Now, um I think though at the same time, you know, a lot of the fundamental elements of SEO haven't really uh changed like a ton, which is to say that like the metrics and pieces or like insights that we can get from GSC, like, you know, uh, discovered, currently not indexed, crawled, currently not indexed are a couple of really great indicators as to whether or not Google is having problems getting through not just discovering new pages, uh, but also rendering your pages and whether or not that's getting in the way of, of indexation. So I feel like it was kind of an indirect answer, but like it's so nebulous that it's it's hard to really give you uh, something more concrete, in my opinion. To that point, and it's and it's problematic for technical SEOs because it's like if you have this you know uncertainty and you have you know content issues where partial content's getting rendered, and I mean we'll we'll get into how Speedworker kind of solves for that. But Zach, do you are you do you have a similar like re- render budget philosophy? I do, yeah, because even kind of thinking through like how, let's say how you're approaching a technical audit, right? Like a lot of it is evaluating, hey, why are why are these pages not getting indexed and crawled? And it, there's a whole wide variety of reasons why they, they might be, but it's, it's almost another factor of like, is Google actually able to render the content that's on this page or not? Um, so it, it introduces a whole different level of complexity, I think more than like... It, a typical like run of the mill type SEO is trying to to work through. Um, I do agree, and Google's never going to give us a number or any type of report on it. I, I know we we talked about that at length in Battlezone about uh, Google's documentation. Um, it would be nice, but I I I don't see I don't think I'm going to see it in my lifetime. Well, I, to that point, I, I I'm curious to both you guys like. 
to what extent is it not in Google's best interest versus in their best interest to provide that metric? Oh, uh, <laughs> this this is like this opens up a whole bunch of other controversial kind of stuff, which I, I don't know. It kind of comes back to something I've always said, though. Right. And they're like Google kind of reserves the right to, to you know do what they want uh, and break their own rules or create exceptions like, um, you know, the the public uh, spokespeople may say a certain position, and there's all sorts of examples of exactly the opposite all over the place, right? So it's like, in their best interest, it's even kind of hard to to answer that. I mean, I think that like, again, opinion is. I mean, we want as much knowledge as possible. Like, yes, of course, people do uh, abuse information given and have historically, right? Uh, so I understand why they, they, they wouldn't, but, um, I don't know, like knowledge will set you free is kind of my general mantra. So like, I just want as also big fan of short circuit and Johnny, uh, Johnny five. So input, right. Like that's my general MO as well. Uh, but again, those are just my wants. Zach, are those your wants? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm hundred percent agreement there. I mean, the first thing that, that came to mind when you asked that question is like page rank and how that was abused into oblivion. Um, you know, obviously it's a slightly different approach to, to a metric and, and optimizing a site for it, but I could see why Google's maybe a little close to the vest with something like that. Um, because people are going to try and figure out ways of getting around it or, Hey, how can I tweak this so that I can get around this number or things like that. I'm not like someone's going to start playing with it in a way that's going to take off Google, like everything else that they've given us. Yeah, it, it, it makes sense to both your points, but it's interesting. Nonetheless, I do want to dive into speed workers, which is fascinating. It's so it's this dynamic rendering solution that Botify um, offers as part of like the activation um, solution, uh, you know, in terms of the entire entire suite of what Botify offers, Dan, I'd love for you to kind of just break down, like, what is Speedworkers? What is like a dynamic rendering solution in the first place, and and, and like, what do you do with it? Sure. So, uh, dynamic rendering, right? Like, and hey, speaking of Google documentation, this is actually one place that they they do have some, um, right? <laughs> Where Basically, you're you're giving the bots the optimal experience that that they need, right? So pre-rendered JavaScript, like minimal execution, basically just here's a flat HTML file when bots are requesting it, right? And then users get the full rich client-side uh, experience, right? So users are really purposely unaffected uh, by dynamic rendering. So um that said, I mean, Speedworkers is definitely more than just dynamic rendering, right? It's yeah. it's kind of um, <laughs> dynamic rendering by SEOs for SEOs, really, right? Like, um, because we can also do things like um, not just, you know, fully pre-render everything, but uh, even go so far as to do things like taking um, actions, right? Which, okay, like Google has said, or there's articles out there that say, Googlebot can take to, you know up to five clicks to try and render content, let's say, right? Well, if you've got a page that requires a lot more than five clicks for the full content to actually be available to search engines, 
well, you know, we can also kind of assist with that, right? So making sure that all of the necessary content is rendered. Um, but like even that aside, third-party scripts, right, are, are kind of historically problematic. Um, not that Google can't do it, but again, wouldn't it just be much better and efficient ultimately uh, managing the bot crawling experience to give them everything that they need on the first pass, right, as fast as, as possible? Um, ideally, you know, within that 300 millisecond time frame that, that they say they prefer, they being Google. Um, and we can also do additional things like cleaning up parameters that are unnecessary, like let's say for tracking purposes and things like that. I see Zach smiling, uh, in a big way, cause I know you've come across it, uh, totally get the idea and need to, to track users across, uh, the site, maybe say using query string parameters, but you know, if they are total waste or let's say like redirected pages, right? So, so again, it really is at the end of the day, more than dynamic rendering, uh, and I would say more of a bot experience manager. Zach. <laughs> I mean, I, that, I, I love the idea of losing parameters, but so, I mean, it, correct me if wrong. It just kind of seems like the idea of like, what was introduced with the concept of pre-rendering JavaScript-based frameworks, but just broader and kind of packaging the full thing up for search engines, regardless of the type of framework that you're on, yep. but just kind of improving that overall experience so that they can get into it. I mean, like, maybe kind of like, what what downsides do you see, if anything, with, with taking that approach? Sure. So, I mean... We can't necessarily get to everything, right? And there, there is a a balance with efficiency, and even like in a lot of ways, Speedworkers is also uh, designed to kind of save on infrastructure cost, right? In that, like, you know, we can kind of preempt Google's activity, and and if you know, again, in the parameter example, you know, one is the the canonical version, like we're only caching that one so often. Um, ultimately saving your your costs and the load on your service. However, right, um, sometimes uh, based on what Google has been used to crawling, or you know, just how maybe slow your your origin uh, is, right, it, it can be um, the amount of resource necessary to keep like a evergreen or up to date cache, right, might be kind of excessive. Right. And so you have to kind of figure out that balancing act, which is pretty involved. Um, so there's a lot of work. Right. It is a pretty challenging kind of topic uh, in general. Um, and it is kind of a, a black box from Google's side uh, as well. So. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess those are some of the drawbacks. I'm not going to say that, like, you know, <laughs> there there aren't, uh, you know, any. Right. Uh, up beyond efficiency. I mean, I would say that too, like some things that we see uh, with other pre-rendering frameworks are like when rendering breaks, right? Like, like, what do you do? How do you know that that's happened? Now, luckily, right? Like Speedworker is also robust enough to have built in systems to be able to like, not just alert you, but like actually stay on top of and know exactly where and when a rendering broke and also not serve broken render uh, renderings to Google if that's what we encountered last time, right? So that's still more of like, you know, uh, the benefits and things like that. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, 
it's definitely still additional consideration for our customers, right? Like we have to get pretty uh, involved with their uh, infra teams, but luckily that's usually kind of a, a short time period, right? Where it's almost like a, a project. And then, you know, SEOs can do their thing with speed workers and engineering teams like, okay, great. We, we don't have to field those tickets anymore or, you know, whatever the case may be. So um, yeah, I hope that answers your question. So I think that. No, it's great. I, you know, I love the fact that you're also even thinking through like how to detect if the rendering failed. I mean, that's certainly something that I dealt with. I would say in the earlier parts of, you know, dealing with pre-rendering Angular several years ago where, you know, the pre-render solution that was built, you know, if you create a new page and it wasn't incorporated in the system, it wasn't getting pre-rendered and you don't find out until much beyond the fact where you should have. Um, so it's great to be able to have that kind of detection in place and figure out where something has gone wrong um, as soon as it possibly can. Yep. And I, I think it's great. I mean, to that point too, and I, I'd love to you to speak to the idea of in terms of like the potential drawbacks of what hasn't been an issue is cloaking. Cause I know that Martin splits actually talked about dynamic rendering um, as like kind of Google, you know, going back to whatever Google says, whether you can trust them or not, but they explicitly, explicitly say you should do any cloaking. And yet what the solution does is not that. Right. So, I mean, you know, let's, let's, kind of quickly define cloaking, right? At least as far as I've uh, understood it, it's you're serving different content primarily to search engines than you are users, right? At the end of the day, now typically the, the presumption too is that there's malicious intent, you know, behind it in, in some way. However, because what we're delivering to, to Googlebot is even in the case of like, taking those actions, right, where there's content behind, you know, some client side event that needs to happen, it's still exactly what the user would experience, right? So, so that's, that's really at the end of the day, why it's, it's certainly not cloaking. Now, um, that is definitely a question that we get pretty often, though, um, because that's to say, you know, it's not cloaking, but then to say the way that it works is it works for bots and not users, right? It's like, kind of sounds counterintuitive um but at the same time yes i think this is another class classic example of google kind of uh sometimes talking out of both sides of uh their mouths where you know they also say that like they can't even uh ecologically keep up with uh rendering javascript at scale uh and things like that um but then also that like dynamic rendering is kind of a uh what did they recently say? Uh, or of a a stopgap or something like that, right? When when again in in real terms at uh, in practice, um, it doesn't seem like yes, maybe they've gotten better, but that they can keep up with with the present day JavaScript and what it does. Yeah, but on, on the other hand, I mean, there's so many SEO benefits of using this tool. Can you kind of run through? Like when you're when you're using Speedworkers, like why SEOs lo like love it, like why it's appeals to them? Yeah, so I mean, I would say like apart from just crawl budget benefits, which you know for really large ben uh, websites, um, our customers certainly value. Um, not to sound like a broken record, but that full content indexation is really kind of at the end of the day the the biggest uh, thing, right? So. 
And then also, and the, I guess like the combination of the two where again, we're, we're streamlining, uh, you know, parameters and, or even like, uh, just eliminating crawl paths that would waste crawl budget while Google's getting all of the links and content that it needs to as soon as possible, that sort of cumulative effect, right. Uh, tends to really show a lot of benefit in, especially like non-brand, uh, keywords that, you know, the, the customer is now relevant for, right. Uh, we've definitely also seen some indication that, uh, it can benefit, uh, even position, right. Cause if you imagine if there's like a PDP with now granted, like by the time it gets to the index without dynamic rendering, um, reviews should already be a part of that consideration. However, if you're streamlining how you're delivering updated reviews and things like that, right? Like the freshness of the index is also that much better. And, you know, then there can be gains that that are seen from, from that as well. So I would say, again, it's like kind of net and cumulative effects. Gotcha. Like Zach, when you're working with enterprises, how do you think about, like, how important is it to you know, almost like propose a, uh, a solution like this if they don't have anything in place that's really considering. I, I think it can be very important. I mean, that's the thing is even within the last 48 hours, I've had various conversations with folks where it's like, you know, a solution like this would be valuable. Um, you know, one where they have reviewed content that they're worried is not getting rendered for, for search engines. And they're trying to figure out how to solve that solution. Um, yeah, I've dealt with too many e-commerce sites over the course of my career. And I've seen so many instances of like getting a small portion of UGC that comes in through reviews. And it's kind of disappointing with that sense, but like even in other cases as well, where, you know, we're trying to figure out, Hey, how could we make a change to this page or implement this type of recommendation that we can focus on for SEO purposes, but we're running into some gaps or some issues in the implementation, um, or we're running into the inability for these things to get crawled and found. So uh, I, I think there's tons of value. And like the more I talk to various clients uh, and sites that I've worked with over time, like I just see a ton of value in, in a solution like this. Um, it, I, Going back to the cloaking question, I still think Google's casting that net a little too wide in terms of how they're defining it. Like, you know, it's not cloaking in this sense. And I think that's what confused a lot of folks that I've definitely had that conversation with different people like, oh, isn't isn't that cloaking? It's like, I can understand why you think that. No, not in the sense that Google's thinking about it. Like, you know, they're they're looking at cloaking as like you're showing something completely different. and. Like I think that's that's an education piece that I've I've talked with a lot of folks over the years that I think is still coming up today. Yeah, it almost reminds me of like the AI content conversation where it's okay. like you should have this blanket all AI content's bad. It's just like to some extent the intent, the use case. It's like when used in a way that actually helps users like this by ultimately servicing all the content to Googlebot, then. It's it benefits everybody. So why would you penalize that? Anyway, oh, exactly. I I am curious, Dan. Too um, actually, this this was Zach's question about the near future when it comes to. Do you see a day in the near future when server side rendering wouldn't be needed? 
<laughs> I love this question because um so do do I think that server-side rendering is going to reach a point um where at some level it will yield dynamic rendering somewhat moot? I think the answer is is yes, but to like what extent, right? I think especially again for the enterprise level uh what i'm seeing is that <clears throat> server side rendering just doesn't cut it like most engineers think that it does right there are some frameworks out there that seem to do a pretty good job of like fully rendering everything and delivering like static html even to both users and and bots right Okay, this is a little bit where you know my my uh, technical skills uh, get a little bit uh, limited as not actually being an engineer uh, in my in my past or or anything like that. However, um, as I mentioned before, there's almost always going to be things that um, could possibly impact search engines and their their the crawlability of your site even when search and or server side rendering is in place because JavaScript is as prevalent as it is. And I think that's always going to be true, right? Um, I think what's kind of actually a little bit, maybe not more interesting, but like almost counter to this is like what progressive web apps could mean for this whole thing, right? And like what service workers and like more edge-based kind of stuff, like and how that works. Um, is is kind of a, a bigger question mark for me uh, at the end of the day. But uh, in the near future, do I think server-side rendering, um, I guess, like, won't be needed? Um, it is possible, yes. But I think that really it's going to end up being kind of a, a mix and that, like, server-side rendering will only ever take you so far, I think, is is that's my take on it. I got to ask your take, Zach. What do you think? I'm I'm actually 100% in agreement on that. But, I love it. I love it. I love it when we're all on the same page. Before we we move on to our rapid fire rankings, Dan, I just got to ask: Is there anything about speed workers that you think we didn't cover that that's really like critical that we hit on? No, I mean, I think um, I think we definitely hit on the the biggest uh, pieces of it, and you know, I mean, again, it really is best for sites that are at least hundreds of thousands of pages right certainly e-commerce um it's not a fit for everyone right i mean um even publishers sometimes it might be a kind of a challenging you know kind of uh uh situation it's not to say that like it won't work it always depends right um <laughs> had to say it at some point but um but yeah, so I think we covered it pretty well at this point. Yeah, it is an SEO podcast. It'd be ridiculous if it didn't. If we didn't say it depends. <laughs> I'm surprised okay. that that word, but <laughs> I know that's uh, that's a whole other different uh, uh, podcast series. Zach, do you have any other any other takes on JS rendering that you think's worth uh, addressing? No, I mean I think we've we've covered most of it. It, it is an interesting topic though because it is one that just keeps coming back up. But we still see so many people emphasizing the use of JavaScript, which certainly has plenty of use cases for, um, and still a good love for JavaScript-based frameworks and single-page applications. 
Um, I think we've covered most of it, but you know, it's, it, I, I don't see the server side rendering piece going away anytime soon. I, I do agree that there's that, that kind of case where it can, um, but it's still going to continue to be needed as long as folks are continuing to use JavaScript. Uh, it, yeah. I mean, regardless of how ambiguous, you know, Google buy is from time to time and regardless of, you know, um, you know, kind of how much, like how big your website is or how technical it gets, this is a really important topic because ultimately if content can't be found, it can't be crawled, it can't be indexed. And that has a material impact on the business's visibility and search traffic. Dan, are you ready for some rapid fire rankings, sir? Let's go. Okay. Let's, let's put on some, some music and uh, start the clock. And here we go. We're diving in. First, rank your top three of something, anything that you love. Go. The top three of anything I love. Um, oh, this is actually now going to be tough because I have to like rank my my family. Let's say uh, my wife, uh, my oldest son, and my youngest son. We'll just go in like kind of chronological order there. That's a that's there a you go. Number. Yeah. That's a fair caveat. We we won't tell them that about this episode. Okay, okay rank your best SEO slash marketing win. Uh, so this is actually kind of an old old one. Um, but when I when I'm asked these questions, I always come back to this uh, sort of like a test that we had done internally at Net Concepts. Uh, this was back in like probably 2009 or something like that, um, where we were. Oddly enough, it was actually kind of a, a similar like circa 2008, 2009 product as what activation at Botify is kind of all about. But uh, we were testing interlinking uh, strategies uh, sort of across different teams. So like people would have you know, a way that they were going about it. I had my way and I had the best results. And it was also a, a topic that I just interlinking and site structure and that kind of stuff like faceted navigation uh is still something that i i love diving into today and uh yeah it was just a ton of fun i love that i swear every person that i interview brings up inter internal linking in some capacity okay ray yeah. and you're allowed to say botify but rank your top three seo tools yeah, I do have to put Botify as number one, although I will qualify that right by saying, as I said before we started uh, recording here, before joining Botify, I had not used Botify. <laughs> Once I got in the door, or so to speak, I was like, oh, this feels like home. Like this is exactly like what I've wanted whenever I've been doing, you know, big audits and things like that. And also like managing tech SEO ongoing. So I will put Botify at number one. I will put SEMrush is at number two, which was kind of a change for me over time. Um, and then uh, Majestic as number three, because I, I have, yes, just a, a, a deep love for, uh, for Majestic and their sort of um, methodology. I love it. Okay, rank, rank your, your number one best SEO trick or tactic. I mean, apart from just internal linking in general, right? I would say like the optimization of faceted navigation. There you go, which is such an underrated, complicated subject. Okay, rank what you love most about SEO. 
So um, when I was at uh, the agency I was for the longest, we had a tagline that was like the art and science of digital marketing. And I thought that was a really good reflection of my own you know, interest in the industry in general. And to the point where it sounds like a lot of SEOs are also either DJs or photographers, which I think is another great example of like that creative and technical kind of balance. Um, so yeah, I think that's, uh, that's really kind of the big one. I love you. It's very much left brain, uh, right brain. And we're the same at uh, I pull rank. It's it's very much kind of our philosophy. Okay, rank your number one best learning SEO resource. This one is weird for me. Just been having been around for for so long. Like I've had people I follow, and you know, like back in the day, it was like All Top was like one of my favorites to just sort of scan. But like at this point, searching on Google, like I definitely, you know. Uh, very Schwartz and uh, SEO Roundtable, definitely, you know, some of the the regulars that I've always been used to. But like, apart from searching in Google, I always really liked, uh, especially the more, well, I don't know, maybe just before they got bought, but like Backlinko always always produced really great uh, content on just kind of like where we are in, in future casting things. And also Glenn Gabe's LinkedIn posts, I think are awesome for technical SEOs. Um, I think he shares just really good, uh, kind of like, here's what I'm seeing type stuff. I know others do it too, uh, but yeah, I typically like uh, like his stuff as well. Yeah, his analysis of algorithm updates and getting in the weeds is always so good. Okay, speaking of rank the top one to three SEOs or marketers that you most look up to or admire. Right. So. This one I had to also choose someone I haven't worked for uh, in the past. Um, so first I would say like Will Reynolds has always been someone that I really looked up to uh, since, especially the first time I saw him uh, speak. Um, and just again, his general MO and mindset about all of this, I think is, is really um, valuable uh, and resonates with me quite a bit. Uh, a colleague of mine for the longest time uh, is someone by the name of Scott Waldron. I think that he is uh, one of the best SEOs I've ever worked with. And um, I just, uh, yeah, I really appreciate his perspective on any, on everything. Um, and then I have to say, say what you will, but I, I still do hold a special place uh, in my heart for, for Gary Vee. Uh, I think that like his start in the wine world and like just the whole you know, uh, evolution, I suppose, has been interesting, but I, I don't know. I just think that he's always uh, said kind of what needed to be said. I don't necessarily agree with all of it all the time, but but I think there's insightful uh, things there all the time. I hear you. You can respect the hustle. Fi finally, rank your number one cause or charity that you want to promote. So um aspire chicago is is the one um that comes to mind and i don't know I, this is a topic that i feel like um there's maybe not enough organizations that approach this in like the practical way that aspire does where they're like really making an impact on their community and it's it's kind of micro focused as opposed to like a research charity or or you know something along those lines and i think that's again, resonates with with uh, my thoughts on it. 
I appreciate it. And there will be a link in the show description uh, to support them as well. Thank you so much. This has been a really cool, interesting conversation. Dan, if people want to find you online, whether it's your your go-to social media platform or just getting in touch, where, where's the best place to find you? LinkedIn is the best place. Dan Reno SEO. There you go. We'll have a link to that in the show note description as well. Thank you, Zach Chahalas, for, for joining us for another dynamic uh, uh, episode of Rankable Podcast. Thank you, Dan, for being my guest. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Garrett. And thank you, Zach. Appreciate it. Thank you. Awesome. My name is Garrett Sussman of iPoll Rank. It's been another episode of the Rankable Podcast. We will catch you next week. Catch you later. Uh-huh.